This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Smith on the feet, he's to the 10, the 5, touchdown! Evans up the middle to the five, into the end zone, touchdown, Eastern Michigan. Straight from the 734, it's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by the Foling Warehouse, your weekly chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. Puxatani, Phil didn't see a shadow the other day, that means uh, plenty more Fun in store, Tom, as we transition outside because, oh, the weather is finally a-changing. It feels like summer outside. Um, also, I was almost in the movie Groundhog Day, if you didn't How know How were that. you almost in the movie Groundhog Day? The opening news scene where he's the weather caster in Pittsburgh yeah, was actually shot at KCAL Television in L.A. on the Paramount Studios lot where I started cutting my teeth in television. I was a sports intern there and eventually a producer at KCAL for two years. And I believe they shot that on one of my days off, but I know the sports office was in a little different building, but the people, I know almost everybody walking around in the background of the newsroom because they were not extras. They were people getting the news together for that night for KCAL News while they shot the movie. So I could have been, if I was there wow. that day, I would have been in Groundhog Day. You could have been even more famous than you already are. That would be huge, yeah. And I would like an extra movie credit. Yeah, to all those checks. Because, I mean, TBS rolls it over like 24-7 during this kind of year. It's kind of like they do with Christmas Story at Christmas. Yeah, it always amazes me how they film films that are supposed to be taking place in that city when they're not. I mean, Major League One it takes place in Milwaukee. Like Major League Two takes place in Baltimore, even though they were saying they're Cleveland. It, it, a lot of these films aren't actually in the places they say they are. And the spring training was at High Corbett Field in Tucson, which for a while, I think the Diamondbacks, White Sox, and Rockies were using Tucson as their spring training 
when everybody else in the Cactus League was up in the Phoenix area. Now nobody's in Tucson. They're all up in Phoenix. But that was High Corbett Field down in Tucson. Uh, we love Tucson. Our good buddy Dell there with the Arizona Bowl. Yeah. EMU football would like to be at in the near future. Wednesday's signing day uh, for Eastern Michigan. They had a big signing class that, of course, you and I got to cover while we were in Mobile. But adding a few more transfers this week should be a great haul for Eastern Michigan. It's nothing like a 7 a.m. on a Wednesday to start your February off with a bag. And it's got, that number's got to be pushing 40 new guys. It's uh, going yeah, uh, mean, to almost flip the roster. There were 30 at the uh, signing event in December. I am anticipating will be somewhere in the... 12 to 15 range uh for this week which which put us yeah mid 40s that's crazy but that's that's where college sports is now you can you can you well first of all there's no restrictions on class anymore clearly the biggest class in eastern michigan history um and so just when you start thinking boy you you lose some seniors some guys have moved on there goes samson evans you know all this stuff and it's it's a completely new team and you're like i i I have no idea what this team is going to be in the fall, but it excites you a little bit because you're like, boy, they got some, you got a quarterback out of Buffalo. You got a linebacker out of Kent state. You got, you got a wide receiver. You got a running back out of North Carolina state. Like you've got these pieces along with a good young recruiting class. And you think, Hey, this is going to be something to see. Yeah. I like the kid out of coastal, the linebacker. I think he's going to be really good. You got a transfer lineman as well from, uh, Arizona State. So a lot of great possibilities as you, you try to flip this team. I mean, a lot of this class on on Wednesday is going to be defensive focused after you you went a little bit heavier on offense to the start of the year. Well, you got a lot of you had a lot of holes to fill. You lost your linebacker core. You've lost some guys on the D-line. You needed to strengthen up that defensive backfield a little bit. So it's good. It's all good news. So go out and get what you can get. <laughs> you also then have a busy week of basketball in store. Uh, a little bit of a letdown weekend on the road. Both EMU men's and women's basketball weren't able to close out uh, contests that they were really competitive in. Uh, they get a tough test on Tuesday with the Rockets of Toledo coming in and the women get Akron. And then it's the Sunbelt Challenge coming up on Saturday. Men are in Monroe, Louisiana. Women are home for South Alabama. Uh, do you like the getting out of the monotony of conference play at this time of year? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think it's uh, a nice way to change things up. I don't think – it certainly doesn't break the rhythm of these two teams who probably need to step out of the conference for a heartbeat and kind of hit the reset button. So I think it's uh, I think it's good. I think it's it's always – I always enjoy seeing new teams. So I think this, this will be a good thing. I think it's tough scheduling-wise on the MAC when all of a sudden you got to – slam the brakes in the middle of conference season and figure out how to get to your teams, to these different cities all over the South to play against Sunbelt teams. You posed to me on the broadcast on Saturday. What's the magic number? How many wins do you think it's going to take to get this club to Cleveland? I said seven. Keisha Blanton said eight. Uh, what, what's your opinion on, on a number that you're really visualizing as total wins in, in conference play men's and women's need? All right. Well, women's number probably hasn't changed, but that means they have to win like six of their last eight. And I don't know if they can put it together. I know the team has played better basketball. I'm not surprised they lost at Buffalo. Buffalo's got some talent there. 
but you you really got to buckle down and find some ways to get some W's here. They've been dealing with some injuries. Um, you've had no Zanaya Nelson the last couple of games. I think that hurts. So I think that number stays unchanged. On the men's side, yeah, when I asked Stan Heath, he's like, I don't have a number. And you fell a little further behind with that loss to NIU. So you're two games out of a, a spot right now with eight conference games to play. Yep. And you got to play Toledo on Tuesday at home. Uh, I mean, you probably got to go six of eight on the men's side, don't you? Yeah, I would think so. Only three more men's games remain at, at home after Tuesday's contest. Yeah. I, I was surprised when I was flipping through the schedule today. Yeah, I was looking at it on Saturday before the game, and I'm like, boy, after this, you got eight games, four at home, four on the road, and you've really got some work to do. So, But I don't know is this team's uh, – well, yeah, they're a little better at home, but you just got to dig in. It's just funny how last year they went right down to the wire and you felt like they're not going to get in, and they would hang just near that line. Then the very last game against NIU, all you got to do is win there. And everything else fell into place, and you didn't get the W. I think NIU is a tough place to play to. Just with the travel, you get way out there. Um, NIU's been decent. I, they're better than their record. We knew that. They were 0-8 in conference play. They put Central to double overtime. So, they I don't know. They have not played much defense, something that they found a little bit on Saturday against Eastern Michigan. Uh Tom, our interviews this week, we go a little outside the box in terms of what we normally talk. Uh, we first catch up with Ali Kudo on the swimming side of things for a unique conversation. And again, a seemingly, a, you love your Canadian interviews, don't you? <laughs> Listen, Greg, Canadians love me. As you know, I, I'm the king of free desserts in the, the country of Canada. Um, Ali Kudo is very interesting to talk to. She's a tremendous swimmer. Um, she has grown a lot from her freshman to her sophomore year as far as her ability, her competitiveness, feeling more comfortable with her surroundings in Ypsilanti and how she feels in the pool. And she has been a driving force for that Eastern Michigan swimming team. And uh, it's funny how some people, and she's not like a big public speaker, and she was a little nervous about the interview. And I said, listen, you have all the answers. I'm the one that's got to do all the work here. I got to draw the information out. But she was awesome to talk to, and it's a great interview. You uh, also asked her just about the differences between U.S. and, and Canadian sports. And she, you, you think about the Olympic trials here in the U.S. It's something that so many people get wrapped up in. It's televised. We build pools and in, in arenas for it. And in Canada, it's just like, uh, they just go find a regular pool. That's yeah, cool. whatever you got there. Sports is obviously bigger in the U.S., and especially at the collegiate level where it carries so much weight as opposed to other countries. So for her to have the chance to come down to the U.S. and compete, she was all in. Because I ask every anybody that comes from Canada, another country, I'm always asking, you know, some students are reluctant to get out of their home state or go too far, or they get a little nervous being away from home. I go, hey, you're, you're four hours from home. You're in a different country. It's a little bit different. Uh, she's adjusted great, and she's continuing to have a phenomenal season. And then uh, I get to catch up with Sarah Tisdale, head lacrosse coach. You're number two of them. Uh, they get to open the year at Notre Dame on Friday. Number seven ranked Fighting Irish against a club that's in year two, but they played much better already in their fall ball calendar. Uh, nothing like testing yourself early. Uh, and we've seen this before in other sports, and Sarah Tisdale 
shows no ability to shy away from challenges. No, nor should she. And uh, as they take on a bunch of local kids from South Bend, who I, th I think a lot of people in the nation think they're going to be decent. What are they, sixth? Yeah, sixth or seventh. Yeah, depending sixth on the, seventh the nation. Right? Yeah. You don't just like when you get into the pool, do you use the stairs and kind of wade out into the water? You just go to the deep end and cannonball it because that's what they're doing. They're I don't like to get my head into so the I'm, pool. I'm using the stairs, but you're probably cannonballing. I'm cannonballing some sort of cartwheel into the pool. Yes. We talked to her about lacrosse year two, some names to watch as well as we ask her about some DIEB initiatives that are going on around Eastern Michigan athletics. Of course, it's Black History Month and then coming up in March, it's Women's History Month as well. So plenty of good conversation there. Tom, uh, you get to call uh, a bunch of basketball this week. Some things if Eagle Nation should be watching out for, because I know our good friend Stubu is listening and he's going to be in attendance coming tomorrow. What's the keys to victory this week? Well, listen, you got to be better on the defense. The men's side, we'll start with that as they play Toledo on Tuesday. You got to be better on the defensive end of the floor. Orlando Lovejoy is coming off his best game in college ever. He had a career high 19 points. He was picking pockets out there. I thought he did a great job on the floor. Um, if you can get Acuff fired up early and get him in a rhythm with Lovejoy out there, and you need that one more piece in there. Billingsley has played much better basketball. And still, you need you need you need a little something out of Connor Servin. You need Osonyuk to come in there and play with a little confidence and bury a couple threes. And who knows, you might just shock a Toledo team that's playing really good basketball. On Wednesday, they've just got to keep building on what they did. They've got to pretend every game is Kent State when they play down there. They played as close to 40 minutes of solid basketball as you're going to see all season. Hopefully, they get Zaniah back. Um, she had some dental work. Uh, I'd seen some pictures, kind of had a hole in her gums uh, above her teeth there. And that was going to take a little while to heal. So hopefully they get her back there. But Tyra Eke has been great in the paint. Uh, Olivia Smith is getting more confident with her shooting out in the open floor. Lachelle Austin is always a factor in that game. So they have the pieces. They've changed a lot with playing more man-on-man -man defense and doing different things offensively. If they can get it all to click and they can get some rhythm in February, then maybe they can hit that number and get themselves to Cleveland. Don't get insight any better than that, other than listening to Tom Helmer right here, as well as WEMU tomorrow, 6.50 pregame. You can catch him on WEMU as well as the Varsity Network app. We're just getting started here on the Eastern Insider. We've got Ali Kudo and Sarah Tisdale when we return. It's the Eastern Insider, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield and the Fulling Warehouse. Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle? Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most. With the largest network of doctors and hospitals, an easy-to-use mobile app, and a 24-hour nurse line. Because we're always ready to help. Learn more about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan at bcbsm.com. It's here. Bowling Warehouse. And sports will never be the same. Bowling combines the best of bowling and football. But you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Bowling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open. 20 lanes, two bars, over 100 beers. The Bowling Warehouse at the corner of Washtenaw Golfside in Ypsilanti, where everyone comes to play. 
There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Joining me now, Ali Kudo, swimmer, a sophomore here at Eastern Michigan. You're from Canada. Yes. N- Pronounce your hometown for me. Guelph. Guelph. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one to say. Where is Guelph? Um, it's like 45 minutes outside of Toronto on like a good traffic day. So it's about four hours to get here, depending yeah. on the border and such. Some students are reluctant to leave their county, leave their state to go to college. You left your country. What drew you to Eastern Michigan? Yeah, well, um, I mean, the NCAA, like, legacy of swimming is like so great compared to like college swimming in Canada. So um, yeah, I was just like really happy to be able to come to a division one school here and continue my sport. One of the differences between Canada and the US, meters, yards. Yes. While the entire world is using the metric system, the US says, let's go with something a little more confusing, a little different. It's a shorter distance though, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, again, yeah, 50 yards versus 50 meters is, um, it doesn't sound like much, but it's like, it messes up my stroke count a little bit. Like it's maybe like one or two strokes um, less. And then again, like the races are different. So like I swim distance. So in Canada, I'd swim the 1500, but here I swim the mile, which is 1650. Okay. So it's a completely different race. Which is, it, it's a kind of a weird adjustment, isn't it? Cause yeah. I, cause you do compete. You qualified for the Canadian Olympic trials in 2020 and the Canadian national trials in 2022. So you've done this kind of back and forth. It's gotta be hard to swing into yards and meters and different strokes and it, it affects your game, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. I feel like I've gotten more used to it now that I've been doing this back and forth thing a little bit more. But when I first came here and then went back to Canada to do some training over Christmas break, I was missing all my walls because I didn't know exactly like where the tee and the flags were and things like that. Have you been swimming since you were just a little kid? Yeah, I well, my parents put me in swim lessons like for safety reasons when I was little, and then I started. Like you're gonna learn how to swim. Oh yeah. Your yeah. dad didn't just throw you in the pool and like try and get to the edge, uh, or did he? <laughs> no, 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 no. They put me in a program, thankfully, um, and it was like my club team program. So I was with their like learn to swim program until I was eight and then they like forced me out and into the competitive stream because I was um, getting too good, I guess. So you went from floaties on the arms to being competitive pretty quick. What do you like about swimming so much? Um, Well, I like, I just like being in the water. Like I feel like it's relaxing. As soon as I get to practice, like you have to immediately forget about like everything outside of the pool. Like you're there, you're training, there's nothing else you can think about. So it's like a great way to like break up my day and let all my worries go away. Do you have a favorite swimmer? Favorite swimmer? I mean, of course, Katie Ledecky. I was was gonna guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Canadian swimmer, probably Summer McIntosh. Okay. Yep, she's like up and coming, which is super cool. She's gonna do great at this Olympics this year. What do you like about Ledecky? Ledecky? Well, she swims like the same events that I swim. Right, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, so you kind of, compare a little right. bit mm-hmm, yeah um is it rough on your hair being in the pool all the time oh yeah of course yeah my hair in the summer is like so nice and luscious and like here and it's immediately dry <laughs> it's so nice and luscious yeah because a lot of it, it it can be 
in and out of the water all the time, especially you compete outside, it's cold. Yeah, um, we normally compete indoors, like, indoors but here. younger, you know, you have those swim meets, your parents got to sit out there forever <laughs> waiting for your one event for you to yeah. dominate, and then maybe they get you lunch and then you're going to swim again. How many, like when you were younger, how many events in a meet would you swim? Oh, like a day, I'd probably swim like four or five events. Like my coaches would throw me in everything because they're like, you're probably good at everything right now. Like who knows? That's good coaching. You're probably good at this. Jump in the pool yeah. again. <laughs> Exhausting though, right? Yeah, I mean when you're little like you don't really realize it. You're just like You're not even swimming fast. You're like I feel like I'm going fast I'm ahead of everyone but like racing is like just like trying to beat everyone rather than trying to like get better Essentially, do you have to eat a lot? Oh, yeah I eat so much food compared to all my like non-swimming friends just to keep your weight even probably yeah. how, Do you know how many calories you probably eat in a day? When you're competing 5,000? <laughs> Probably less than that. Like, what would but... be breakfast for you? Like, do you eat three meals a day? Do you oh, eat yeah, five meals sure. a day? Three meals a day, plus lots of snacks when I can in between classes. Big stack of pancakes, all that stuff. What are you having for breakfast? Yeah, um, mostly like eggs and stuff like, like that. Like healthy stuff. Yeah, healthy stuff. Lots of fruit. I would be crushing candy bars and everything I could <laughs> get my hands on. You in a dual meet, I guess finishing anything outside of first is not your jam anymore. You're killing uh, yeah, it. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. What's changed in your game since your freshman year? By the way, for people who don't know, you're the first freshman to make an all-conference team in head coach Derek Perkins' Eastern Michigan tenure. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. Plus, he's probably like, I recruited her. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> but what's changed in your swimming from freshman to sophomore year that has seen even that improvement? Right. Um... I feel like I've gotten a lot more confident in my swimming, specifically yard swimming and distance swimming. Um, plus, like I've been able to get closer, like with the team and things like that. So I feel more supported. Um, I've gotten used to Derek's like coaching. So we're trying to figure out like specifics for um, how my practices are going to help my races and things like that. Um, yeah, and it's all just like working out this year finally. That's one of the tough things too that people forget. When lots of, you know, I remember when I was a freshman and I went away to college. You don't know anybody. Yeah. Did you know anybody at Eastern Michigan when you came here? Um, I knew one of the girls that I came in with, Hannah. We lived like maybe 30 minutes away from each other, so we'd seen each other at meets before, but we didn't know each other exactly. And you, did you immediately gravitate to her like, yeah. you and I are going to be best friends till like, we get this figured out? Please, like I need someone I can connect with here. Now, what are your goals? Like, do you have Olympic aspirations? I mean, who doesn't? Like, right. When you're in sports, it's hard not to. Um, might be unrealistic, but again, trials is coming up, so I hope to attend that this year. Because you competed internationally for Team Canada at the World Cup meet in Toronto in the fall of 2022. Yeah, that's correct. And how did that go? Um, it was a great experience. I wasn't like, my times weren't like anything crazy, but it was nice to be around like some world-class swimmers. Again, Katie Ledecky was there. So when you like get in Were for- Were you fangirling on her oh, a little bit? Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. When you get in for like meet warm-up and she's in the lane beside you and I'm like, oh my God, it's Katie Ledecky. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, when you compare times, how far off are you realistically from an Olympic time? Is it more like, I'd like to go to the Olympics, but I don't have quite what it takes. It's so difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty far off, but you know, it's it's nice to have some like unrealistic dreams sometimes. No, absolutely. You never know what's going to work right. out, right? And you've grown so much from your freshman year 
What are your goals as your college career continues? Yeah, I mean, obviously just getting faster in general. I came second at max last year in the 500, so I'd like to maybe bump that up to first at max this year. What's your favorite event? The, well, um, you I, give me the hands like, hold on now. This is gonna, there's an explanation here. Yes. I have a favorite and I have one I'm really good at. Is that what the answer is gonna be? Kind of. Okay. I, my favorite event is the 400 freestyle long course meters. Um, but if I had to pick a yards event, it's the 500 because those are the most comparable. Okay. But again, not the same race at all. So. Do you have a favorite stroke? Freestyle for sure. Okay. I am basically just a freestyler. Can't really do any other strokes. Well, butterfly seems just impossible. Oh, yeah. Like it's all shoulders basically, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. That would be brutal. No, the girls who some fly in our team, they're swimming like entire practices fly and I'm doing the same thing freestyle and I'm dying over here. So I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for them. What does training look like? How much time do you spend in the pool over the course of a day? Uh, in the course of a day, only, well, we are only allowed four hours in the pool. Only? Yeah. Um, so we normally have a two-hour practice in the morning and then a two-hour practice in the evening. And then we do nine practices throughout the week plus lift. And run is like, oh, how do you keep endurance up when you're not like, how does a swimmer get better at swimming when they're outside the pool? Yeah. So over the summer, we're encouraged to like do running and stuff like that. Um, same. At it the sounds like we're encouraged. <laughs> I'm really not into it. Yeah. Running is like a lot of swimmers' favorite thing to do. It's very different than swimming. Um, but we always start off the year by doing like a lot of running so that we can get back into our like aerobic endurance and stuff like that. And uh, we always have the biathlon at the start of the year, which is like we swim a thousand, then we run a mile, and then we swim a 500. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I would like to go into clinical psychology. Nice. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what specific profession, but I'm hoping to go to grad school in, back in Canada once I'm okay. done with my undergraduate here. Well, Ali Kudo, it's been fascinating talking to you. We wish you the best of luck as your, as your swimming career moves on. You're a phenomenal swimmer. Thank you. Great personality. Great public. Do you ever think about public speaking? <laughs> no, this is so stressful already. Are you stressing out right now? Yeah. Are you pitting out a little bit? Yeah. We're just talking like no one can even see us. It's a podcast. <laughs> that's true. That's a lot true. of people don't like public speaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people. Sorry. But swimming in a pool with fans, no problem. Oh, well, yeah. When you're swimming, like your face is underwater. I can't see anyone. <laughs> I can't hear anyone. <laughs> Allie, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. This episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast is brought to you by National Trails Bus. Safety, comfort, reliability. Come ride with us, as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred healthcare provider of EMU athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care to get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for small business. You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by The Folding Warehouse, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Now let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. Year two of Eastern Michigan lacrosse gets underway this upcoming Friday as Eastern Michigan will travel to number seven 
Notre Dame. We're joined by head coach Sarah Tisdale. Uh, nothing like taking it easy right out of the shoot. You go straight for number seven, the Fighting Irish, right? I, I, I've always loved that, and I think I've always had a, a pattern of scheduling in that manner where I'd rather be tested early and know exactly what our strengths and weaknesses are and uh, give us a really good roadmap for the rest of the season. We talked back in the fall. It was fall ball, things change, players come and go. How has it been since last fall getting another season of, of playing for this group together? Because, again, there's so many kids that are still new to the collegiate game. It's been fun. You know, I think they did the work over winter break, and uh, I haven't had many teams really put in the work in that manner to where you could see that they were committed to coming back better than they left over winter break, and that really made a huge difference. Uh, give a lot of credit to our captains. Uh, captains held a lot of people accountable over break and said, hey, we want to work hard over these three weeks, not go backwards from all the work we had in the fall. So uh, I joke that they look grown, right? Um, it's, it's been a huge year of development for us, and just uh, seeing how far they've come even since September. Right. Uh, you know, we had that exhibition game against Grand Valley, and just seeing the progress and growth from that when we were – kind of getting blown out by Grand Valley in the last couple of times we saw them in fall in our last year exhibition and now seeing how commanding of a lead they took early and kept it and they knew how to win that game. It was really exciting. When you look at it, you have 40 players all, 25 returners, that growth and just starting to feel that sense of we're, we, we know what we're doing and you don't have to teach it every day. How as a coach, is that a rewarding experience to know that they're picking up the system. It is, and even the small little nuance uh, are, are some of our things that are like really disciplined, uh, non-negotiables, you know, like how we want defense to be played, how we want offense to be run. You can hear them kind of mimicking some of the, the terms that we're using and expressions, and uh, I suppose it's just like, a, you know, watching a kid grow up, right? Like right. when you see them kind of adapt to your philosophies and your ideas and your excitement and your energy, uh, you see it every day. And even today at practice, it was really great in the fact that they are able to run and execute their own drills and give each other feedback which we both know as teachers uh, how critical that is. If you can teach the game, yep. you're only going to excel further that way. So uh, having the returners and just watching them know from the experiences, they're angry about last year. You know, they knew that there were our, we were better than what our record showed. And so uh, they have that burning you know, desire within them that they want this year to go well. They want a winning record. They want to be in the MAC championship game. They want to go to the NCAA tournament. And from what I saw last weekend, that's not far off. When you look at this, I mean, you're accustomed to having built programs. In your previous track record, where is this team in that progression compared to what you did at Central and even before that. Yeah, this is the this has been the most fun January I've ever had, uh, which January usually can be a little bit of a grind. You know, you're coming back off winter break, you're trying to get back in shape, you're trying to you know pick up where you left off, and I've never had a team come back as ready to play as I've had with this team. Uh, this has been far by far the most fun January that I've had, and uh, you know what they showed us last weekend at Grand Valley um, really took me by surprise, right. like how much they wanted to play together and how hard they want to compete. Um, I don't want to call them gamers um, because I think that kind of gets a negative connotation, but I think when they need to turn it on, they turn it on. So this has been a really fun preseason so far for us, and you know we're thrilled to have the opportunity to play against a top-10 team and, and just kind of see what we're all about. Yeah, sometimes it's just fun to see when those light, bright <laughs> lights come on. I mean, you look at you, other, how some of the greats are the best when it's that way, and then you also hear the, the old Allen Iverson practice. I mean, some people just don't love practice mm -hmm. as much, and it's a grind to get ready for the season. 
Yeah, some of the things we really instilled in the fall were what we called tune-up time. And so allowing players to work on pieces of their game that they were either struggling with or really wanted to, you know, grow in. And so, uh, you know, as a young team that takes a little bit to, to make sure that they're using that time effectively and they've really leaned into that concept. And so we have players getting to the turf 30 to 45 minutes early daily to put in work by themselves and you know I think you've heard stories of all the great players that haven't had great games and they stay after shoot three-pointers or they haven't had you know the production they wanted to and so they're out there you know throwing around and 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 doing that work and we're seeing some of those habits being built in year two uh, which are only going to be great stepping stones for for years to come. Year two uh, last year for Mackenzie Blackwell freshman of the year some people talk about sophomore slumps. How do you make sure she continues to see her game advance? She's hungry, you know, and, and I think she took you. She's taking last season personally, you know. I think that she felt that she could have even done more than what she did, which is you know incredible for a freshman. Um, but I think she's developed into a leader where she's not afraid to hold her teammates accountable, um, and she's and she's demonstrating that by putting in the work herself. Uh, we talk a lot about being a come with me teammate, and she's the first one to say, hey we need to you know, win these draws or have the offensive production and we're not getting there, like, let's go do the work together. So she's out there shooting by herself, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's bringing more teammates along. So I don't think you'll see any sort of slump. If anything, I think you'll see her, you know, continue to set new, you know, plateaus for herself and new records for herself and just keep climbing. Um, and she's just an exceptional person where she doesn't really get rattled. You know, she's always looking for feedback. She, she's very coachable, which is obviously, a, you know, a dream for all right. of us, you know, but she's very quick to come to the sideline, receive it in an adjustment, and then go put it in play right away, which is a coach's dream. Here with head lacrosse coach Sarah Tisdale, you look at all the newcomers you have. Who are some people or some names that people should really start to take a peek and, and realize that they're going to be the wave of the future too? Yeah, and we really showed uh, the strength of our freshmen um, when we scrimmaged against Grand Valley. So I'll start from the defensive end, uh, and two names to definitely take note of our freshman goalie, Maddie Porter. Um, she is just an exceptional workhorse of a goalie. Um, she's funny. Um, she's, she's a little goofy. And, and that personality really translates onto the field and that she takes calculated risks and really is just a fun goalie to watch. Uh, Carly Lowe uh, from uh, our, our neighbors over there in Canada, uh, she is just a, a, a grinder of a defender. She's a lefty, and so she gets a lot of our right-handed attackers really caught up with that dominant left hand. She's really leaned into a really cool role that we made for her to slow the ball every single time it comes into the zone. Um, and then on the midfield, I would say it's tough to choose because there's a lot of great midfielders out there, but um, Kendall Nagel really stands out. Um, this is a player that was previously committed to a former national championship team and uh, decommitted from them and ended up here at Eastern with us. And so uh, she will be a player to watch not only this year, but for years to come. Lacrosse continues to be a sport that is growing in the state of Michigan, something that you've worked on. But as we talked about back in the fall, once you get to a certain point in the state, it's not as prominent. And another way to grow it is going into inner city Detroit, mm-hmm. something that you and Michigan have partnered with to take a game down there to MLK. We'll talk more about it. It gets closer, but how important are things like that to expose maybe people that aren't familiar with lacrosse? We view it as our mission to continue to grow this game into very diverse areas um, and bring um, diverse populations into our game. And so the number one thing I view that we can do is to take that game, remove that barrier of location, access, and 
and just really show uh, the young people in Detroit what this game is all about. Um, Detroit is making an, a great investment in their facilities. Uh, the site we will play at Martin Luther King High School is a, a, an amazing facility, uh, brand new turf, and they, so the, the space is there, the desire is there, and now we've just got to really get people to think about lacrosse as a sport when they're choosing those sports um, when they're younger. And so, you know, uh, both Hannah Nielsen and I, the head coach at Michigan, this is always something that's important to us of bringing our game to different parts of not only the country but here in the state of Michigan. And, and we want to see the city of Detroit really fall in love with this game. Well, especially when you have Detroit Mercy and Eastern Now and Michigan all really working together to help this as part of MAC, but you also don't see maybe Big Ten schools go and travel to, to MAC schools at yeah. this point. And that's, I mean, such a huge credit to who Hannah is as a person, um, as, a, as a leader, as a woman, and knowing um, our role within this is bigger than the, you know, the universities that we represent, you know. And so, yes, you know, kudos to them for saying, hey, we'll take this game out of our, our institutions and we'll bring it to a, a high school location yep. in the city of Detroit. It speaks volumes to who she is and the type of leader she is. And it's an honor for me to partner with her and, and their staff in this. And, you know, it was intentional on my part because I know that we would be great partners in this. And they be willing to lean in as much as I am um, to make this game happen. As we uh, change your hats for just a moment, I mean, you're the lacrosse coach, but you also get to, to wear the DEIB hat for EMU Athletics. And year two of doing that, a lot of growth in year one. I know you've had a lot of great things here in year two, but you look at it, uh, the Taking Action Summit was just a, a week ago. We've seen a lot of growth in mental health and everything else that the MAC continues to do. But Eastern's made a big change in what they've done over the last year and a half, too. Yeah, and give kudos, obviously, to our you know our leader, uh, Scott Weatherby, and his commitment to this and making this a priority and, and ensuring that you know my role is not only valued but you know put up against you know the importance of winning a championship is just important to him as as, as being a leader in this space. So we went to the Max Summit. We had the second largest contingency um, at the summit, which we were we were thrilled with. Um, our student athletes represented us so well down there. And what we really learned is that Eastern's a leader in this space. Um, when we were talking about our mental health resources for our student athletes and what we're already doing, we quickly learned that what we're, where we are is, is far ahead of some of our, our peer institutions, which you know is is an amazing accomplishment in itself. So, you know, this year we saw the Eagle Cup come on mm -hmm. board, and so Eagle Cup's goal is to you know have our student athletes really increase their participation not only um, within athletic events but also on campus events, and you know get them out to cheering each other on. And so I think that's caught on. And and I'm excited about where that's going to go and continuing to engage our student-athletes. I talked with Kev Savage about that exact thing yesterday, and he said it's great that we're doing the Eagle Cup. He said, but it's more important that it's our student-athletes that are helping drive those conversations, not just us coaches leading it. Yeah, I, I've, I've had great partners within our student-athlete population in that, you know, Katie Butler, um, Anna Grace from gymnastics, uh, Mara Lane from track. Um, I've learned just as much from them as I feel like they hopefully have learned from, from us as uh, you know, coaches and staff here. And so uh, they have really caught on to this and, and they're competing alongside their peers to not, and they know it's obviously it's important, but they also want to make sure that their, you know, their, their teammates are just as invested. So it's been great. Um, I, I'm really proud of the work that they've put in and, and how invested they are. Campus has also been a big tie-in with EMU Athletics. It's not just a one-sided, it's both sides. They had the MLK luncheon that EMU was a part of, uh, unfortunately with the walk being canceled due to the cold. There are still great things coming up that people can take part in. 
being Black History Month, and then of course the month of March uh, focusing on women's history, there are great things that, that EMU Athletics and Eastern Michigan University are focusing on. Yeah, with our, the hire of our new Chief Diversity Officer, you're seeing a lot of great programming coming on board, and so you've highlighted obviously Black History Month. Uh, there's something almost every single day you can participate in, and so whether it's an opportunity to, to learn or just uh, simply to engage and, and celebrate you know, with our, our friends um, and on campus, it's been great to see that. And so you know, one of the things um, that I'll highlight is our voter engagement plan and working with our engaged office on oh. campus. And um, I'm, I'm excited about where we're going to go with that and ensuring all of our student athletes understand what their rights are to vote um, and then also what our coaches and staff can do to support that right to vote you know, in this election year. So, And we're partnering hand-in-hand -hand with the engaged office on campus. And I couldn't be more excited about where that's going to go. And I, I am confident we'll receive some national recognition for our efforts there. I, I, I commend you and, most importantly, your staff because you have a lot of time commitments on your hands and to focus on both but the lacrosse side not to also drop it takes really good assistance oh too. my gosh you know i couldn't i could go on and on and on we need a whole episode to talk about alice lane and tyra prince and our athletic trainer libby cole and, and what they've done to make sure that these young women are ready to compete um, allison and tyra are putting in extra hours they're on the turf uh, so much doing individual work, um, you know, meeting with players, watching film, and uh, like you alluded to, there's no way that I could do this role and wear these two hats that I get to wear uh, without amazing assistance. I've had the privilege of being with them for so many years. Uh, I've been with Tyra as a student right. athlete. I've known her since she's been 16. Um, and so to watch them grow, um, we're at this point now where we don't really have to communicate and we just know uh, what our roles are and we, we know what our goals are. And so I think that really helps because we're working so hard towards those. And you like winning on <laughs> in lots of different ways. We saw you at the Coaches Challenge. We know lacrosse <laughs> takes pride in making sure you're at the top. We do. We like to compete in every aspect, you know, and I'm, I'm thrilled with our players. They've continued to be on the top of the Eagle Cup standings and taking their role seriously of being good citizens, volunteering, um, you know, making it a priority to help themselves grow um, as professionals and then supporting their peers. You know, they've been present at every basketball game, gymnastics meet, you know, and so uh, I absolutely love that they are kind of the heart and soul of a lot of the things we're trying to do. And again, kudos to, to my staff for allowing me to do what I get to do every day. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast, your home for all things Eastern all the time. This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes on demand.